Welcome to the 12th episode of the CPL Podcast. I'm your host, John Dandro, and as usual, we have quite the episode today. Back once again, thanks to their legions of almost cult-like fans, are Mike and Ravi with another utterly baffling episode of What the Fotch. On the more serious side, we have an extremely interesting interview with the popular young author Rick Yancey, who wrote The Extraordinary Adventures of Alfred Kropp. Finally, to round out the show, we're going to run another poem by the Connecticut Youth Poetry Slam team that our high school listeners in particular will appreciate. This is what the fuck. Yay! Dang. This is Mike. And Ravi, and this is... Megafort! And today we got a special guest... Chris Neal! Oh, I see Neil! Woo woo fries! All up in your face, boo pal! Surprise! Whoa! Yeah. Alright, first story today is a uh, novelty phone causes ticking sounds in a package, and uh... Quite surprisingly, it led to a bomb scare in Missouri. Alright, in other news, a man lost his glass eye. It was taken by another guy who incidentally thought that it was crack. Now, crack does not have a cornea, nor does it have an iris. Whoa! <laughs> uh, uh, so, other news, a student at the University of Central Florida was arrested and charged with uh, arson, setting his dormitory on fire. Now, we're all used to the crazy happenings down in Florida, but this was a special occasion. You see, this student really wanted to meet that girl of his dreams by burning down all of her things and meeting her in the evacuation. That's love. Meanwhile, in the Sudan, another, lo- another winner of love, who recently married his goat, forced, of course, by the regional government, was, has now become a widower. Uh, <laughs> no one knows what this will do with relationships to the in-laws. Sheeps are so jealous of him. You bet. Now, a wife nagged his husband while he was driving. Eh, so what? Happens all the time. Now, the husband, of course, keeping his woman on a leash, made her walk home. The catch? He was driving a boat a quarter mile from the shore. I guess that's one way to do it. And, um, the toothpaste bandit, guys? This guy was, uh... He threatened to shoot store workers before he fled with $40 worth of toothpaste. Gotta keep his teeth shiny. <laughs> Cavit criminal, man. <laughs> Do you know how much toothpaste that is? Thanks for listening to What the Fudge. See you next time. Next up is the poem from the Connecticut Youth Poetry Slam Team. As I said earlier, this poem is one which our listeners that are juniors and seniors in high school will appreciate. In what can only be described as a masterful performance, Sam and Emily combine to talk about the trials and tribulations of applying to colleges, as well as ultimately finding yourself when it's all said and done. Stanford. Brown. We We regret to inform you we cannot offer you admission this year. We regret to inform you that there just isn't enough room in our Ivy Towers. That your hours spent all night working, talking, and book learning just wasn't good enough for us. We regret to inform you your poetry did not catch our ear. We did not hear your pleas. Your sighs. Or your screams. We regret to inform you we found another kid with a pocketbook bursting at the seams. We regret to inform you we don't give a damn about the 
because we've got one that knows it better. Because your SAT scores are too low. Because he has a higher letter. A signed contract to play. And he paid a specialist. To know just what to say. We regret to inform you that your character judged by this piece of paper. Was pretty good, but need to be just a little bit faker. We regret to inform you, but we knew better. You just weren't a good match. Wouldn't catch onto the way our white collar top dollar dogs operate. Deliberate and instigate their way up. We regret to inform you, you don't have the old line. Blood line. Trust, Trust fund. fund. Your daddy didn't run a Fortune 500. And while we'd like to let you in, we, we just, just don't, don't think, think you can fund it. it. We regret to inform you that these cold ivy vines only accept the brightest of minds. The future successes. The leaders of our times. Not a couple of kids that just chill and write rhymes. We regret to inform you, you are not Denzel Washington's daughter. And while your dream was pretty, we regret to inform you, we, we shot it. We regret, regret to inform you, we cannot offer you admissions. We've looked at a lot of factors. And made a difficult decision. Your, your grades, grades were pretty good, good. Your, your interview was too. But out of the many kids who applied, we can only accept a few. I turn from my letter, eyes closed to rejection, like the flames of my future burning with a downward inflection toward a menial life of all right and okay. As if somehow this college would determine how I'd play the cards I'd been dealt. That's when I looked up and the stars began to melt and they fell on me with all of the fury of my blessings and I realized that it wasn't Stanford I was detesting, it was myself. I hated me for failure, and to think that all of this time I had tailored myself to this corporate conference of old white men. See, it was just then that I realized that I still had my pen, that I could still write, still speak, still while, and being rejected from Stanford made me break out in a smile and think about all the time I spent not in my room, not studying the friendships and loves that had been budding before me when all these other kids had just been being boring. So it wasn't a lack of hard work that made me lose this election, but a plethora of work in a more interesting direction. When I read those warm words to condescend, defend your decision to keep me out, I didn't swallow them under tears, wallow in self-doubt, or fill with fear. I just realized that Brown University doesn't have nothing on me. I never made myself no well-rounded girl. I lived to write and wrote to breathe words as my first sex before a boy ever left marks on my neck, before I learned to take turns or blunt burned or found truth in every back alley or corner deli from an African's Belly, so I could write real, so I could speak steel, and I don't regret it, not for a single second, because it made me, built me up solid enough not to give a fuck whether or not you let me in. We regret to inform you, we will not be crying, we will not be wishing and sitting and pacing and sighing. We regret to inform you, your name doesn't mean shit, because happiness isn't a commodity, it's a poetry, and that's it. You can visit the Poetry Slam team's website at www.upwardspoetry.com. That's U-P-W-O-R-D-S poetry, all one word, dot com. On our next segment, we have Ravi conducting an interview with the popular author Rick Yancey. Mr. Yancey is the author of The Extraordinary Adventures of Alfred Kropp, as well as its brand new sequel, Alfred Kropp and the Seal of Solomon. 
We'd like to publicly thank Mr. Yancey for giving us his time and patience, enabling us to conduct our first interview in what we hope will be an ongoing series of author interviews. Hi, this is Ravi with the CPL Podcast, and I'm today I'm sitting with Rick Yancey, author of Alfred Krupp and many other great books. Could you please tell us about The Extraordinary Adventures of Alfred Krupp? Alfred Krupp, uh, the series is about a, uh, a teenager who uh, discovers... Um, pretty much to his dismay that he has um, sort of been doomed to a life of adventure. Uh, the first book uh, uh, relates the story of his quest for King Arthur's legendary sword, Excalibur, and what happens to him uh, along the way. Um, and the rest of the series deals with uh, his growing up and uh, these other kind of wild, magical objects that um, he has to uh, retrieve or save Otherwise, all of human existence will be lost. Uh, so it's basically a, a adventure story, a coming-of-age story, and hopefully will be a very, very long series. What's next for Alfred? Uh, what's next? Well, his uh, second adventure, the sequel to the first uh, book, um, has uh, just come out. It's called Alfred Crop the Seal of Solomon. Um, it is the continuation of his story. Um, it's basically about uh, two magical objects that were stolen from this secret organization that he becomes involved with and his attempts to get it back. It's a little bit uh, longer than the first book. It's a little bit scarier than the first book, and I hope it's a little bit funnier than the first book. But you find out a lot more about Alfred's past, about his present, and a little bit about uh, where the series is going. And I am working on the uh, third book right now, uh, tentatively entitled The Thirteenth Skull. Okay, now there has been a movie deal with Warner Brothers for Alfred Krupp. How has that been going? The director they really like to get for it is the man who directed Ghost Rider, uh, the Nicolas Cage movie about the guy with the flaming head. Um, so uh, there's been two drafts of the, of the screenplay based upon the novel, and um, as far as I know, it's going well. Uh, and maybe be in theaters in about a year and a half, I hope. So I don't have much contact with, with Hollywood. They tend to, once they buy a novel, uh, they tend to uh, give it to a screenwriter and let them, you know, they take it from there because it is such a different form than, than, than a novel is. Now, how did you come up with the character of Alfred? Originally, the story was written um, with an adult protagonist, as a matter of fact. He was not 15 years old. He was 30 years old, and he was this um, uh, unemployed uh security guard who gets hired by Mr. Sampson in the story, I mean, I'm sorry, by Mr. Myers in the story to steal the sword. It was sort of like, uh, it was almost as if Uncle Farrell was the, um, the main character. Uh, but the story just didn't work that way. So I decided to make his age uh, much younger, 15, and create a boy character. Uh, I think I did a combination of things. One was channel the 15-year-old the, the inside of me, and also, he's based a little bit on um, my, well, he was 15 at the time, my 15-year-old son at the time. Um, a lot of his mannerism and, and the way he talks is probably right from my kids. So that's pretty much how Alfred was born. Now, you said your son um, was loosely, like, affiliated with the character. How else have your friends and family, like, affected your writing? Well, I couldn't, have, I couldn't have done anything without my family. They're the ones who are very understanding. Um, you know, I, I, writing is a very lonely thing. You, you sit by yourself and you can't be disturbed. You can't, you know, be interrupted. And 
and they've been very understanding, and especially my wife, who's been sort of a writer's widow, and, um, and, and also supply me with a lot of inspiration. My youngest son is 10, and I don't think this whole story would have came about if not for him, because since he was quite small, he loved playing with toy swords, and we would spend a lot of time having mock duels with um, fencing matches with swords. So I'm sure a lot of that came together in my head when I was sitting down to write the story, um, because... I was constantly fighting with swords. Thanks a lot, Mr. Yancey. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share? Yes. Um, I'm uh, very interested to hear what people have to, uh, to say about the second book. It's a little bit different than the first. It's a little bit longer, a little more complex. Um, and so uh, I'm really interested to know what people think. And they can contact me at rickyancey.com. Send me an email. I answer all my emails. I read them all myself. And uh, I would love to hear what uh, people think, and especially what they, where they think the series is going from here, because I am, you know, right smack dab in the middle of the third book, so of writing the third book. So um, please keep in touch. And Ravi, thank you so much for the questions, and you guys were great, and I had a great time. And everybody, keep reading. Thanks a lot. Well, that's it for today. We hope you enjoy the show and that you'll join us again next time. The CPO Podcast is a project of the Cheshire Public Library, Sarah Klein Morgan, Teen Librarian. The voices on this episode belong to John, Ravi, Mike, Emily, Sam, Rick Yancey, and members of the CT Youth Poetry Slam team. Podcast editorial board members are Mike, Justin, Ravi, Colin, Liz, and John. For more information about the Cheshire Public Library podcast and other programs and services of the Cheshire Public Library, please visit our website, www.cheshirelibrary.org teens, or email Sarah, the teen librarian, at smorgan at cheshirelibrary.org.